Evening guys, uh, so welcome back to Darkside Podcast. Uh, so I'm going to get my good friend um, Helen Barn on very, very soon. Um, so like I've obviously said previously, um, I'll be getting all this uploaded um, on Spotify, try and get as much on it, be on my IGTV as soon as it finishes, get it put straight onto that. Uh, so Helen's just jumped on there. So if she just jumps on there, press the request button there, Helen, and we'll get straight into it. So just be one moment here. Just wait for Helen to join here. So if you just scroll to the top of the uh, top of the feed there, Helen, and then just press on their request button at the top. Just be one moment here. So like I said, just before Helen joined, so really these live feeds, um, I'm trying to get as many people on as possible, try and get um, their story out there, okay? As much as having that conversation, right, just gonna be one moment here, I'm just gonna get Helen on. Just be one moment here. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't work out how to do it, sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine, not a problem. So how's you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. I realised I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> not a problem. So like I say, usually with these, what we do is uh, go into a bit of a backstory with yourself, just give obviously a brief um, overview, a bit of a backstory, like saying there, just so obviously listeners and potential viewers, uh, the viewers as well, they obviously get a bit of a backstory with yourself and then we we'll go into it more further. So if you want to just kick it off and just obviously a bit of backstory about yourself there. Yeah. Hi, Chris. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. Yeah, I um, well, when, when I was 18, I, I joined um, joined the Met Police Cadets and um do you want me to sort of go into sort of everything that happened to me, Chris, and all that? Yeah, really, just going to give off that brief overview. Yeah. So, yeah, I went into the police cadets when I, when I was 18 and then on to Hendon Police Training College and passed out from there uh, when I was 19 and went to North London and um, just was a normal uh, relief officer, um, sort of, you know, my career was going quite nicely um, over the next few years. Um, I got married. I got a young son who's, who was 10 months old when the first injury um, happened. Um, and that was quite a while ago now. Um, that was in September 1991. And uh, we were called to an incident um, in the Woolgreen shopping centre, um, a guy causing a disturbance. And um, it should have been sort of an ordinary run-of-the-mill kind of call, really. And um, I was driving the van. I had a passenger with me, John, and he went, as we pulled up, um, he he went into the shop that had called us. And I could see the chap that, that um, fitted the description across the road. So 
I, I jumped out of the van, went across the road to speak to him. And he got his back to me. He was a really tall guy, over well over six foot tall. And, um, yeah, I just was literally saying to him, um, you know, what, what have you been up to? And as the words left my mouth, he swung round, and this happened so quickly. And I just was catapulted backwards through the air. And, I mean, I was five foot ten and really fit and strong. So it, it was like a complete shock, really. And um, he'd, he'd stabbed me in the stomach. And um, I remember this is all happening really quickly and I got got up back off the floor quite angry really um just sort of wanting to to um arrest him and stop him I could see him stabbing my friend and um as I approached him to try and stop him he he attacked me again and this, this was all happening like you know blink of an eye and um he'd stabbed me and, and two two more times and um, I was sent flying backwards through the air about 12 foot, landed on the pavement and didn't get back up again. Um, and, you know, was sort of incapacitated, really. I just remember my my um, white shirt turning completely red and the sort of shock and fear of not being so confused and not really knowing what had, what had gone on, really. And up until that point, I, I'd sort of been a, in, felt I was invincible to a 25-year-old, you know. So, yeah, and, and um, cut a long story short, he, he stabbed four of us ten times within about 90 seconds. So that's kind of how fast it happened. Yeah, because I think that's something that people don't realise that, you know, when you watch it on a movie and you see all you see what happens, they're trying to construct this onto a movie then when it's actually in real life, how quick it is, how sharp and how violent it can just be. A situation could be from that normal point to that you know, where there is injuries and, you know, injuries have happened. Um, within, like you said, within that short period of time, how something changes from one dynamic to another. And it's just so, that shock value. Do you think that was the, the pure shock there? It's like, it's a, almost like you, you kind of, although you're trained to react, like obviously myself, I was trained to react. Your brain just isn't really reacting to that point because things happen so quick, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it was just like a, a really quiet, sunny afternoon and we'd just come on duty and, um, you know, it was just nothing really to indicate from the call what was go about to happen. And it was it was pre-body armour or anything like that. You know, we had yeah. women, women were, were issued with these little tiny truncheons that were supposed to go in your handbag, which I never carried anyway because it was yeah. absolutely useless. So that gives you an idea, you know, we were so ill-prepared really for, for something like that to, to evolve. And yeah, absolutely. You sort of, you, it's really hard even now, all these years later, to try and portray it in actual words because it yeah. just absolutely this frenzy of violence. And he was, it wasn't his fault. He was a schizophrenic and um, and the care in the community had gone wrong. And um, his, two, his two main paranoias were women and police well, and three yeah. women police turned up. So it was kind of, you know, it was an awful situation for him, you know, um, he yeah. didn't know what he was doing. Um, but yeah, definitely that, that, that frenzy of violence, which, you know, you'll know all about. And uh, yeah. it's it just, um, yeah, and I think, I, yeah, I think I, I felt I was sort of an invincible 25 year old up until that point.
I think most people with that mindset, because when you train and train and train, you kind of train your mind to think I can do anything. I can overcome anything. And then when you put in that situation, like I've done on like British combat association courses where you put in that pressure test and it's like, you, you've got to react to that situation. And obviously in the military as well. And you kind of once you, you, you've got this plan in your head, but till like it was said, you know, the first shot, you know, fired. That's it. It just goes out the window. You, you've just got to react on your instincts. But like you said, firstly, do you think of, obviously from the, like like you obviously you've said previously, and you, and you stopped basically, you stopped and realised and thought, whoa, you know, I'm in a bad place here. But do you think it's that that is that survival mode kicks in straight away? Oh yeah, definitely. And um, you know. Um... You, you know, you are to a certain extent, you are trained to yeah. do so much. You know, obviously, I wasn't prepared to be stabbed that day, yeah. but you know, it's your job to to react. And you know, I, I guess the natural instinct would be to run away, wouldn't it? But you know, you yeah. don't do that, and um, you know, you, you just literally instinctively try and do your best. And I know, I know, my my colleagues that they couldn't believe they could just they they were just a bit few seconds behind me. They couldn't believe that. I was flying through the air, you know, I was yeah. so fit and strong and they just, they just saw me literally like, you know, go flying backwards. Yeah. Cause that's what I think it is with as well in situations like that, when it's like you said, it's so quick that you, you, you kind of, and, and do you think that's in situations like that? Because I've kind of said it was like a pressure cooker when you put it in, put it in, but that's over. Like, obviously it can be done as a long term. It can be done in a short term, but it's like a pressure you put under and it's the brain it's like it literally shuts down and it's like you go into a survival mode and yes we have that natural fight or flight but in situations like that where things have happened so quick you don't have that time to react you literally go from like like I said from a normal standing point to straight into like you know survival mode and your body just takes over but a lot of it's down to your like obviously the training you've had um and you've got to that point haven't you where you just literally just it just kicks in training just kicks in yeah, absolutely. Because it's really funny. Because um, it was pre sort of understanding anything really about trauma, stress was yeah. kind of new subject within the, in the police. You know, it was just really, you know, um, it just how it was. So there was no concept of the of that kind of side of it. And you're quite right. I, I, it's only it's sort of thirty years, almost thirty years later, we got together and spoke about yeah. what had happened. They and they filled in bits. So literally, I'd gone into sort of tunnel vision. My actual like memory of it was so limited. Yeah, I think yeah, your your body just sort of focuses on sort of the, the danger point, and um, you sort of yeah. So my memory was really different to what they saw. You know, which was yeah. obviously it from a different angle. But yeah, quite interesting. You do your body just kicks in, I think, and got all those. Um, sort of chemicals running around your body, adrenaline and everything, haven't you? Cortisol and everything, just to, you know, that is that uh, fight or flight sort of reaction of the body, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because that is like, because obviously adrenaline can be done as it's, it's, it's essential. It's a kind of like, it's quite a powerful chemical, essentially, because it can keep you going through the worst situations and scenarios, you know, even at your worst. And it keeps you that live because it's just, just flowing through the body. And, and it kind of numbs your body in a sense, isn't it? It's almost mm -hmm. like, right, it's shutting everything down. So it only works essential systems. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember that the, the, fir the first stab in my stomach, you know, I, I remember getting up back off the floor. I, I was aware that it kind of, I thought, God, he's really, I 
he I thought he'd punch me really hard uh, yeah. but that was kind of only pain that I kind of remember because um, it's just evolving so quickly and you literally are sort of fighting for your life aren't you really yeah uh, and you just um you know do your best yeah, yeah yeah definitely definitely i mean moving on from that i mean i know how like things have improved so much with like body armor and you know is it necess it's necessary after incidents like that um but what well, i mean I did it yeah obviously after the incident that like i know you obviously then spent that time out recovering um but do you think even at that point between the first incident and then going to the second incident do you think it, you you ever really pro gave, gave yourself enough time to process what actually had to happen uh, no, and actually, your just to go back to your point about body armor. It, it was di as a direct result of our incident because it was really yeah. high profile in the news and on, in you know um, main news and paper, all the papers. John, who I was with, he did a, a big project and body armor and batons and officer safety was brought in as a direct result of the work done. I helped him a little yeah. bit with it, the officer safety manual, but yeah. So it's funny that incident actually you know changed policing really. But um, yeah. I, um, no, I mean, as a, the mental side of it, there was just no concept, really. You know, I just went home after a few days in hospital, back to being a mum to a toddler and, um, yeah. you know, uh, absolutely really no thought about that the, the mental side of it, you know, from anybody. And it was nobody's fault. It was just how it was, you know. And yeah. I, I always was robust sort of character and very, you know, capable police officer, you know. So it wasn't something in my head that, you know, I would be affected by something like that. It was just wasn't, you know, you know it, there's so much more awareness, thankfully, now, you know, about these yeah, subjects. Definitely. So, yeah, I just had a few months off, and once, you know, the physical injuries were were healed, it was sort of back to work, really. Yeah, because it was a kind of that, that mindset then was like, I mean, obviously, like I said, there was a very good positive that came out of a negative which is a good thing. Mm. But then, like you said, in that period, I mean, what was the period of time between the first incident and the second incident? Yeah, so the first incident was 1991 and then the second one was 1993. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd returned to work and I was just, uh, you know, working full time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I can talk about the second incident and uh, what happened there. So that, that was... Um, that was just before Christmas, 1993, and we got a coded bomb bomb threat come through to Wood Green High Road again. Exactly, there's the same place yeah. as where the stuff place, and because it was a coded warning, you know, you, we all knew that um, you know there's something was going to happen, but didn't know where. So we just literally dived in all the vehicles we could. I was at the police station, went down to the high road, to the shops, and literally just started to try and get all the Christmas shoppers out of the shops. You know, yeah. there was no sort of plan we were just running from shop to shop shouting at people to get out there were going to be some bombs going off and I think they probably thought we were a bit crazy um yeah and so I just did that I was in the process of doing that and um I remember going sort of off the, the main sort of street into a covered area and one of the bombs went off and um fortunately they were reasonably worth a couple of pounds and it was in a bin and it just blew the windows in and I just found myself on the floor and again, this was all happening really, really quick. And I got up and thought, oh, you know, I'm okay. But I was really terrified. Yeah. Knowing sort of where the bomb was and total confusion. And the, I just remember sort of pigeons and smoke and everything kind of went into slow motion a bit. Um, and I went out onto the street 
and saw a colleague of mine and we just kind of looked at each other thinking what's on earth going on and we're just shouting at people to get out get out of the way and we just moved up the street and thankfully we did because as we moved away and another bomb went off in a bin just where we'd moved away from yeah. so and thankfully again that was a reasonably small one so we were really lucky and it was just chaos absolute chaos you know just trying to do your best but not knowing whether another bomb would go off and then then a, a, um they put another bomb threat in at the cordon, which was, was you know, it, there wasn't a bomb there, but it, it was just, yeah, it was really scary. And I wasn't physically injured. I think there were about 10 people hit by flying glass, but um, mm. nobody was killed. But, um, yeah, and, and we just did our best really that day. And I don't know how long we were down there trying to get, you know, people away out and out of the shops to safety and, sort of I lost track of time really and um but then we were later on taken back to the police station and had a bit of a debrief in a in a, a little office you know sort of saying where we'd been and how we'd felt and those kind of things and then yeah. again we went home to just and I, I was studying for my sergeant's exam at the time and yeah just life kind of just went on um clearly I was you know it was another major trauma yeah. um but just wasn't that kind of awareness of of, of that side of it really yeah because I, I know um, yourself with the things like you're saying there, there wasn't really the it never been really recognized i mean even back in 2000 2001 there was they didn't actually officially recognize even ptsd or tbis or any areas such as that it just wasn't being it wasn't the, the the word it's only really been in the last five to ten years that they really have took notice and you know things have improved for the better which is great but like I think a lot of it is, is, is it was a little bit too late, you know, do you think that, you know, even then, it, you know, but you can't really, you know, predict things where it's going to be, is this going to change, you know, is it going to be, be like, there's a lot of positives that come out of negatives there. I think we just lost the sound there, Helen, for one moment. Hold on, hold on. Right, I'll just I'll just come out and then go back in and do a request again. Okay, just be one moment. Press the request button again, and then we'll we'll carry on from there. Hello. Hi, yeah, but right back again. So, like, I was just going to obviously just follow on there. The sound just dropped a bit there. So, like, really from that, because like I said, there's a lot of like when you look at negative situations, we're always trying to find the positive out of it. Yes, out of one traumatic experience, obviously from the first instance, there was a positive of obviously body armor. Um, it was the area of body armor there. From the second incident, do you think what was the biggest positive that came out of that? Yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good question, actually, because um, one of the sergeants that, that was on duty both days, um, 
he kind of realised what was going on and he got he got us into that room and got the debrief going and he organised for somebody from welfare to come down and that was just unprecedented, you know, there was no yeah. procedure for it. So that was a direct result of him as an individual learning from being involved in the stabbing incident. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, all these things, they do, you know, they happen for a reason, don't they? And, yeah. you know, definitely... Um, we learn from them or we should learn from them and good comes from them. Yeah, definitely. So that was one thing that's, you know, comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. From, so from that second incident, like you said, the time between each one, there wasn't, like you said, it, it never really had a time to process. It was just work, 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 wasn't it? But from yeah. the, after the second incident, obviously then you would have been going through that recovery period and everything was like back to work, that whole routine there. So still there's never a time to really process any of the trauma that's happened. But from that period, obviously from the second incident, because you then just went on to, so how did you come around to joining the um, fire the firearms team? Yeah, so that 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 wasn't makes me laugh really because I I sometimes wonder what you know it was a bit after everything that had happened but yeah so that was the following year and it was just a, a new concept really the the armed yeah. response vehicles and it's a very new concept to have women on it yeah. as well and um, I wasn't the first woman I think there were two before me but I was the first ever mum to join yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that was kind of the middle of, of the following year. I joined up and passed all the firearms courses and, and started on the ARVs. We, you know, and it was it was quite it was quite hard work. I was my, my going back a bit. My marriage had broken up, and so I was a single mum. There wasn't any part time working or anything like that. So you know, it was quite a struggle, really. Sort of, my family didn't live in London, so yeah, um, you know, it was tough um and by this time i was about 28 so yeah so i found myself in a very sort of what had been traditionally a very sort of male uh role really and you i look back and think you, you know um you don't realize it at the time but you know we were quite groundbreaking really and um you know now all these years later i'm, I'm quite proud of of you know what, what we did as, as women um but yeah so that 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 leads on really to kind of the, the final incident that sort of was the nail in the coffin, as it were. And, um, yeah, we were on um, an early turn and we were just, just finishing. we just got back to the base. It was two o'clock in the afternoon and I was just thinking it was Boxing Day in 1994 and uh, I was just desperate to go home. Yeah. Uh, I had enough and we got a call to North London. So... Um, we made our way and it was the local police had called us to an incident where um, the suspect, he'd, he'd taken his baby daughter in a pushchair from his girlfriend, his estranged girlfriend, and she'd seen a gun and he'd got a history of violence of shooting people and stuff. So we got called by the, the local police to, you know, to, to go and back up. And... So the plan was to go to the address where we knew he was holed up and uh, sort of hopefully peacefully get him to come out so that was a plan that went completely to to, <laughs> to pot really yeah. um we were we were forming up in a in a side street about a quarter of a mile away from the address where we knew he was and um i remember specifically being stood at the back of the back of the car thinking right i better get my body armor on and sort of my head was oh you know, really tired and i wanted to go home that kind of really yeah. 
to suddenly like what we spoke about earlier really this absolute eruption of violence and I heard one of my colleagues shout it's him and again this sort of it happened so fast fast and I couldn't sort of portray it in words but I looked up and it, there he was the suspect in the, in the sort of junction of the road so we all started reacting and I, I started running forwards towards him and drawing my gun and I, I remember seeing the the gun come out of his coat pocket. He was wearing a big sheepskin coat and he got a push chair in one hand and, and the gun went into his mouth. And, it, you know, this is literally like split seconds. Yeah. And from going, from thinking, oh my God, he's, you know, he's going to shoot himself. And there was absolute terror running through my body. It was just so, so, you know, the fear that I felt. Um, and yeah, and then it, then his arm outstretched, and he he, he let off a shot, and I, I he shot me, and um, I knew instantly that I'd been shot. It was like being hit by by a, you know a big lorry. It was just like the impact. But again, I think from what we spoke about earlier, Chris, there was no pain, and I guess there's all the adrenaline kicking in, and you know the situation unfolding in front of me, and 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 my colleagues, and um, I dropped down on one knee, but kept my gun up. And uh, I, I was just aware of nothing going on around me. He got shot eight times, but it, just everything sort of closed down. Um, and I must sort of realise that every, it, it was safe because I crawled behind the police car that I was near and um, lay on the floor. And that, you know, that's when the pain kicked in and yeah. the realisation, you know, that I'd yeah. been shot. Um, but again, it's really hard to get over in words because it just, you know, it just happened so quickly. Think, when... Sorry, Chris. Yeah, because yeah, I know when, uh, obviously one of the training scenarios I was doing, I was doing like ship's clearance, so like ship's protection um, uh, uh, group. So it's like basically like, um, it was like the ship's protection organisation. So we had like a small group of us. So it was like, say pirates, say if we had, uh, obviously somebody come on board, we had neutralized the threat. So I remember that one incident and then where, that final part, it's almost like everything goes into slow motion. You're mm. literally looking down, down this like rifle at this target and it's just a target. You, it's mm. almost as though you can't, you see somebody there and I think your brain automatically turns into the, you know, into the target that you're training on. And then there's this real person and it seems that you can't separate the two. So it's kind yeah. of like you just see this shape in front of you and everything just slows right down. And it's like mm. this slow motion, but you know what you've got to do, but it's still in that slow motion. Do you think that's be yourself? Obviously the shock had kicked in, but it's almost like going from that slow motion in them, that big bang of like the realization kicked in. Oh yeah. And um, you know, that, yeah, your body just, um, again, reacts, doesn't it? You know, the, all that adrenaline, yeah. you know, all that fear, you know, and I don't mind admitting it, you know, I, I was terrified as it you're, obviously you've got your uniform on and a job to do, but the human being inside that, you know, I was it was really frightening. And my you, that gut instinct is you just, you want to do the opposite to what you're doing in a way. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it does, everything just, um, just, just shuts down. And um, again, you kind of do what, what you, you kind of have to do. And in, in my, that, it was sort of that survival sort of instinct sort of kicked in and um yeah so he he'd been shot eight times he survived and um yeah. thank 
really I did as well, you know. But um, I remember lying on the on the pavement and um, the, the the air ambulance had landed and I was getting attended to and my colleagues were there and somebody looked down at me and it was like that black who humour, which I'm sure you've experienced yeah, yeah. in the You know, like a friend of mine who I'd worked with years ago, he looked, like, looked down at me and he said, oh, God, not you again, you know. We just <laughs> You're like your favourite customer. Yeah, yeah, um, and I'm sure you know anybody you know, in the military, and they'll understand that black humour that you've got, and um, it helps you cope with things, doesn't it? And yeah, definitely. You're... It takes your mind off that situation, it takes it completely yeah. out of that uh, that scenario. So the fear and everything's not kicking in, and you're not putting yeah. yourself into that position. But I mean, really, from that incident, I mean, you've got to think about it as three incidents in such a short period of time. And it's, it's that condensed and you never really, like you said, had that period of time. And I know one of the questions on there is about PTSD and it wasn't like officially recognised to at least like the early 2000s, really. There was nothing really ever said about it. Um, it was almost like, oh, just crack on, get on, next day, job, just forget it, put it the one sign code of attitude. Nobody ever really talked about mental health. Nobody ever really talked about anything. If a situation was bad, it was like a lot of people, as you've probably seen yourself in the police, that was like, usually let's just go for a drink. You know, it's it kind of like, the, you know, decompression was almost like alcohol was the decompression for like as the for a long period of time it wasn't until really obviously going into the 2000s that's when things started really talking about it more and i know that like um within those instances that is that's a very very short period of time you know to go from one to another to another and it was almost like around the same time in the year at the same you know it's, it's, it's like a replay isn't it of like mm. between each, each incident now, you know, thankfully you got through everything like that, or like obviously physically. Now, from that period of time, from the last incident to the, obviously, how long was it till he actually left the force? Was it just a short period? Was it a longer period? Yeah, I, I was very lucky, and um, I, I got just touch on it. Um, I, I with, with some help from uh, my fantastic federation friend Colin, and I got funding um, to go and see a fantastic guy. He was a real. Um, I, I think he's still practicing, Gaw Professor Gordon Turnbull. He's a, he was ex-RAF, yeah. and, and um, he he and his colleagues helped me enormously. And that's when I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress in 1995. So that was kind of the following year. It took took a while to, you know, get get the Met to agree to the funding and stuff. Um, but uh, that diagnosis kind of um, made me realise, you know, I wasn't going completely mad. Yeah. <laughs> and then. I, um, I finally was medically discharged in 96 with post-traumatic stress disorder, which was an unusual, like you said earlier, Chris, it's an unusual diagnosis, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, and that, that was it. The, there was, you know, it was before Instagram and Facebook and there was literally no support network at all. And I handed in my warrant card and I was gone. Yeah. Just literally, I... that was it. Yeah. I mean, from that period, obviously, like you're saying, it's like from that period from the, obviously leaving and I know like obviously moving forward and like from that period of time, did you ever feel like there was days where you just felt like you, you, you kind of wanted to think about it, but it was like trying to process this constantly process it. Do you think it was a period that transition of like trying to process everything that happened and try and make some kind of sense out of it? Oh, yeah. And I think that went on for a, a good few years, definitely. And um, I think my saving grace for me was be, being a mum to Ben. And, yeah. um, 
you know, there were real, you know, real dark times early on, you know, and um, sort of thinking, trying to process things. And, but especially when I'd left, I felt I'd lost my identity and my purpose and everything on, you know, that was the tough time. And there was just, there was no support network and it was nobody's fault. It was just how it was. And thankfully we're in a much better place now, aren't we? And we're really moving in the right direction and military particularly, I think are doing fantastic stuff. Um, so yeah, that kind of sense of being alone, um, you know, I, I think it's made me realise how important community is and having good people around you and these you know, support networks, charities and people there to help and shout to. But yeah, and it's been, a, it was a years of processing it really. And um, and I think having a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder it was helpful and not helpful because I think, I think something like post-traumatic stress injury might have been a better diagnosis. Yeah. Feeling like you could recover from it. I, I felt I was a bit doomed, really. Although I've been very positive and, uh, you know, I'm really lucky. I've got a real positive mindset and I've had to develop, you know, I, my sport and my training have been great coping mechanisms. You know, I think I've done quite well. I, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it is interesting. Um, but thankfully, we've, we've come a long way since then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I know, like, obviously, a lot of positives um, have like, obviously come from like obviously such traumatic uh, like incidences. I know you got involved with doing the uh, weightlifting, and then you went on to obviously with Nick, and uh, you know, and, and, um, and obviously doing all it outdoors. I mean, how did all those like come around? Well, obviously, we're first doing the record because you are officially a you know a record breaker. <laughs> yeah, I know that was that was. Um... Colin Kelly and a group of veterans for um, lifting the stress for mental health. They they were raising money for Rock to Recovery, and I got asked um, if if I join in with that, and um, found myself saying yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that caused them all all sorts of anxiety. I was really worried about my age and everything, and you know whether I could do it with. But yeah, I did it, and it was just. I'm so glad I said yes, despite all that terrible, you know, real bad anxiety around it. And it just literally sort of um, was like that was life changing. I got a bit of help from Rock to Recovery. Well, you know, they were amazing around my anxiety. Um, and then I led on to me finding uh, Hidden Valley Bushcraft on the yeah. just on because they were linked in with Rock to Recovery and started following them, and just loved what they were doing and um, and I plucked up the courage after weeks and weeks of mulling it over to to, to apply to go on their Woodland Warrior Weekend, which is like a weekend in the woods for veterans and um, first responders, um, and uh, it was just. Again, I'm so glad I did it. I nearly didn't, you know. I nearly thought, oh, you know, there's so many people worse than me, you know. And um, But it was just amazing. And the support that I've had from them has just been awesome. And he put me in touch with Hugh Keir and I did a podcast. And I remember Nick yeah. saying around the campfire, you'll be public speaking one day, you know. And I thought, oh, I thought you, you, you're crazy. Because I, I, I literally probably hadn't spoken about it for well over 25 years if not longer you know, it wasn't something that I talked about um and uh yeah so it's just li- really these amazing sort of military people charities and individuals and that that 
you know, I'm talking to you now. It's it, it, yeah. it's been just you know just about a year really. And exactly. Because I know. Yeah, because I know. Obviously, that was the first place I was going to say that. The first place, obviously, I'd seen and heard your story was obviously with you on the H Hour podcast, and then obviously you working on going on to like obviously rock to recovery, doing the world record, and then obviously the you know the whole conversation, and it was just like wow someone who's been through so much but then you've gone from like quite a negative place but to an absolute positive place and i know two things i definitely picked up on that and obviously then work, uh, going along and obviously working alongside like you know, nick and louise um and just you, you know it's the exercise and then the outdoors i saw there was two positives like coping mechanisms that you because you do obviously the exercise part and then you've got the outdoors part and i think it's a great combination between the two because there's a lot of positives once again coming from them too oh yeah i mean it's the, the you know the woodland warrior it's set in woods it's such a therapeutic place and obviously nick's been there and um louise is amazing she's she's just retired from the police and you know that they they believed in me you know and nick i remember nick's always so current you know for for, for now what's happening with mental health you know and just these sort of words yeah. that he planted in my head and the support that he's given me and you know introducing me to different people it just shows you doesn't it the power of the of community and you know Definitely. like um Curtis Palmer program, which is like the police side of Pilgrim's Bandits, contacted me, and I was supposed to be going on um, an expedition with them to Norway. You know, um, that obviously isn't happening in the current climate, but it's yeah, it's it's just been fantastic, and it really is taking away that that isolation, you know, and and um, connecting with people, and I think that's what's Definitely. what's fantastic. Um, particularly what the military are doing really yeah because it is that that, that always my like, like that tribe isn't it that community we've got always kind of have that community around us because i found the same as myself and obviously doing martial arts i found it was like a real community there and and i think what it is is everyone's on that equal level no matter your backgrounds everybody's on that equal level and i think that's a great thing because i see a lot of positives especially in the last you know five ten years as how things have gone and the communities are getting bigger and bigger and it's a really positive and plus also connecting on both sides of it like obviously the outdoors where a lot of people are doing the hill uh, walking there was a lot of great stuff like the outdoor retreats um mm -hmm. obviously doing the uh, like the weekend you know woodland warriors the programs and all these are coming around and then you've got the exercise part of it and it you know and you seem to as i do myself i go on and i and it really thinks i want to do this or i want to do that and it really pushes yourself forward and i think with yourself you've come from that really it's it you've hit that real positive part now where you've evolved from something that's you know that is very very traumatic but it's that you've took all the positives from it and then you you're applying that and you've you've applied so much like like you say yourself you've gone on to do public speaking and and that's that is amazing, really, considering you know you think from someone who like I know myself, obviously, some, this is something I wouldn't have done probably a year ago. Knowing this myself, yeah. I wouldn't have done this, been able to do it. But now to a point where I have built that confidence in myself to think, yes, I can do this. And it's you know obviously listen to other people's podcasts or obviously like or watching them, and I think that's something I, I'd like to do. And then obviously connecting with different people, um, and I found that similarities that there was a lot of obviously doing the workout. There's a lot of benefits from both the you know doing the workout and the actual outdoors. Now, do you think yourself as like obviously because I always like to go on to the whole like personal development evil you know evolution there for yourself how you've personally evolved 
for like say the last few years yeah i i mean i i i think i was um i think i was quite fortunate that i i've coped quite well with it you know with my sport and keeping fit and i've, I've do, as i've got older i've, I've got a bit you know in, gone into yoga more because i realized you know i've had to to sort of incorporate nurturing things yeah. rather than sort of hammering my body physically you know so um i do yoga now and stuff like that but it so it but and nutrition is fan, really really important as well and um but i just think this last year really has um you know it just shows you that um you know it's never too late you know i'm, I'm 54 now and um it, it's going back to this sort of unity that, 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 that these great yeah. people that just are out there just wanting to help others really um yeah. help me so much um you know the public speaking terrified me um but i did it you know and i was so glad afterwards that i'd done it and it's just something i'd never have imagined that i'd do a year ago and i just, I just thought hopefully it'll help other people you know and and I'm just really thankful. I know I'm so lucky. You know, it could there's far worse people off than me. I was listening to to Colin Kelly earlier. He did a little yeah. little, and um, you know, there is always somebody worse off than you. And you know, I really am thankful. I've you know, all three incidents I could have probably died or been more yeah. seriously physically injured. And so I've got so much to be thankful for, and so much good has come from it. And I'm that now. Hopefully, can do something with all, all those experiences that maybe like will you know help help other people in some kind of way by talking about them definitely definitely because that's what i saw myself like you said it's only been about a year since obviously doing obviously the podcast with you and like you know and i've seen that transition myself with you with you how you've gone from like telling your story and then it's that big transition where you're in that very positive place and do you think i mean you could look at it as on that very positive note they've gone through three you know different instance but very similar instance essentially how and then like now over the last year and how you've took that positive message and how you've like obviously inspiring people and saying this is my story this is how i what i went through this is how i cope with something and it will help other people as well mm. and i think because i'd lived with it for so many years you know talking it'll be 30 years next year from the first incident it had become just normal i didn't kind of you know, it was just normal to me. I'd survived yeah. it. I was really lucky. And I was doing the best I, I could, to, you know. Um, and it was literally was a Nick Goldsmith in the woods saying, it's a remarkable story, Helen. You know, it's so current. You know, just that those sort of words being planted in your head, um, it just, just shows you the power of kindness and support yeah. and networking. And now hopefully, you know, it will help help somewhere um you know it, um to, to help other people and because we all struggle don't we we all have yeah exactly exactly we're all, all going to struggle through life we do it, it, we all do and it's it's coming through them and get bringing the good out of them because they're good out of every everything 
Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Because that's what I usually say myself, because I know this week obviously being Mental Health Awareness Week, and that mm. was like brilliantly coming on to, uh, this week. Because I think really what I've always summed up as being, yes, we'll, we'll raise awareness, but it doesn't stop past like, you know, this weekend. It's like really every day. It's something that people want to take it because everyone's going to suffer from something. I've always said it. You're always going to, whether it be in grief, will it be, you know, loss, you know, will it be like, you know, from the, the, the minor to the major. If along that scale, everyone's going to suffer somewhere because it is your mental health. And you've got to equally, like, physical health, mental health, you know, you've got to work together, really. Yeah. Like say, help you your know, body, help your mind. Exactly. Absolutely, Chris. And I'm no different. And, you know, doing that deadlifting um, you know, that Colin organised, um, Colin Kelly organised to raise money for it made me feel part of something again. I think that was yeah. a trigger as well. Um, you know, that tr you mentioned it earlier, that sense of, of a tribe and a purpose again. Yeah. And although it terrified me, you know, um, and nearly killed me. I think I was ill for about a week after. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just so great, glad that it was, you know, he, he did so much to organise it and, and get the re record um, recognised, you know, and people like him, in, you know, doing doing great things has that knock-on effect. Look how he, Definitely. you know, his actions have impacted on me. It's It's, yeah, it, it is this, this definitely this coming together and, and you know, for a long time, I just kind of, I suppose I felt very different because of the things that had happened to me and, and never spoke about them because I, I didn't think people around me, friends and that could, could sort of relate. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's been a remarkable year, really. Yeah, because I think that's something that like, you've just touched on, which is really, it's very, very, like, true that you, you in your own mind, you pick it up as being people won't relate people won't understand people but till you start actually telling your stories the same with myself i use my like writing as therapy it's you know i have done for all the time and then obviously doing you know the live podcast like the self like, like mm. now and then i think but this you know it's helped me but hopefully by something i do it'll help other people you know even mm. if it's so something i mean i'm you know even if it's just to help like i've always said one person you know that to me that's an achievement absolutely absolutely and like you know with me i was that one person that was helped yeah. you know it has that knock-on effect doesn't it um, yeah definitely it's like a domino effect isn't it it's like it helps one and then somebody else and then somebody else and get the message out there and it is essentially if you think about it we are building the community it's like a positive social media community because it's really it's like you know, surround yourself with positive, you'll become more positive. And it's like listening, and you'll take a snippet from one person and a snippet from another person, and then you listen and you absorb it, but you you kind of then think, right, if I apply this or I try this, and you know, and, and I think it was really, we take it down to that human level. We're all human, we're all gonna suffer. We're all gonna struggle through something. We're all gonna have weaknesses, we're all gonna have strengths. And I think we've got like, uh, I, I kind of was doing a piece today and I kind of thought, it's more or less we've got to accept something first, accept it. This has happened. We can't change it. This has happened. We've now got to then move forward. So you've got to break that down to its simplest form, essentially. So we work through something. I think what it is is when you go through something chaotic or something you're troubling, we kind of double everything up to bigger than what it is. But now we've got mm. to then reduce that and break it down. So this is what it is. This is where we need to be. This is what we need to do, you know, and try and break everything down, keep breaking that down, that process. And I think that's how I've always applied everything, everything that I've done, because I have to kind of stop, take that knee kind of, take that breather, right, what's next? And I think everything that we're you know, doing and is 
they, you know, I, we could probably sit here and just tick off that many different accounts that are doing some great stuff. And like you said, Nick and Louise, I mean, I love the, the, uh, the account. It's it's fantastic. And obviously, Rock to Recovery doing some great stuff as well, helping so many people. So I think there's a there's positives from everywhere. And it's said building that community, and it's all about building that positive community. I mean, yeah. I mean, from like obviously, I uh, just saying, it's rolling out about 10 minutes now to go. But I always like to ask everybody this question. And I know people have said, oh, I knew you were going to ask us this. But really, like for yourself, if there's one piece of advice you could give, what would it be? Oh, I, I think I suffered with this. And it was like not believing in myself. And I still, yeah. that's one thing, you know, I have to work on now. Um, you know, just before coming on and doing this, I thought, why does he want to speak to somebody like, you know, that imposter syndrome? And Nick mentioned that to me around the campfire. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just try and believe in yourself that you, you, you know, we're all amazing. We've all got amazing different talents. And, you know, don't let yourself be the one that holds yourself back. Because I think yeah. I'm probably guilty of that over the years. Um, yeah, just believe in yourself. Um and also, you know, reach out to others as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's that's been really significant. Re that Me reaching out, you know, and facing my fears with the deadlifting and also re recognising that I was anxious and getting help. And it's just all snowboard. So, you know, we're all, we are all amazing in our own different ways, aren't we? And But we're often our own worst enemies. I know. Definitely. You know, I know. Definitely. I think that's what it is, isn't it? We always have those doubts that creep in and think you do something. Like I, I know myself when I went through training to obviously do air engineering and I thought, could I do this? Why am I, you know, yeah. why should I do this? You know, um, can I do this? And I did it. And that was it. You, you kind of have that realisation of I did it. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. You've got to take that leap of faith essentially to like think, right, I'm, you either give it a go, but I'd rather try something and fail miserably than never to try essentially. You know, and I think that's what it is, is people have got to just realise we all go through this. Everybody's mm. going to uh, go through this same process, no matter what you do. It could be going from, a, you know, a walk, you know, do like somewhere like Penny Fan, because obviously like, a lot of people do, the, say, the fan dance, which is another regular one. Um, and then it's these little challenges we place ourselves. And like you said, a deadlift, that in your own mind, like you said, you, you kind of, should I do this? Shouldn't I? But then you think... You gave that a go, and then the results that you got from that was a massive positive, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you summed it up perfectly, really. I can't really add to that because, you know, it's, it is. It's, the, so the, some, the most frightening things are often the, the things that we grow from the most, aren't they, yeah, Chris? That's definitely, the definitely. Because I think we keep ourselves in that bubble a lot of times, and we kind of like kind of vacuum ourselves in and thinking, well, if I, do, I don't do that, then this won't happen, or this won't happen. But you've always yeah. got to take that, that's, you know, you've kind of got to take that risk. Like people say, take that risk, because you never know what's going to happen. If half of us never took the risk, we wouldn't be able to achieve so much things, you know. And I think really when we look through life, I think what it is is try something new, try, you know, a different approach, or try different something new because you never know what good's going to happen for it if you look at something always in a negative form it's going to turn out for, for uh, like negative even before you've even done something if you're willing to give it a chance and a go then you know there's so much good and i think you've definitely proven it over the years how you've come from and the resilience in yourself and how you've come from sort of negative incidents but you've took all the positives from them and even now you're now applying them and now you're helping others you know which is you know i suppose there's no greater thing you can do in life really help another person who you know can take something from that and think 
that works for me. I could try this, or I recognize that this is essentially what Nick was saying, and it's absolutely spawned. It's like, especially in the climate in the last 20 years, with obviously Iraq, Afghan, and incidents you went through are very relatable, you know, because of the kinetic you know, environment that everybody was working within, and it was that, that chaos essentially and essentially everything you've said and that's i can you know perfectly relate to that like nick saying that because it does everything you went through and and in a way if you look at it i suppose you could take from you had to go through that to then be in this situation where you're helping others oh definitely i mean i i would i really genuinely think in that in a way those those incidents are a gift you know to me and I always felt I wanted to, some good to come out of it, but I just didn't didn't know what. And there was the, what there wasn't. Like I said earlier, there wasn't this. You know, there wasn't Instagram. There wasn't Facebook. Yeah. You know, I was just very much felt. You know, um, sort of isolated, really. And it's only sort of recently connecting with people, and and it's just given me, you know, this this doors open that hope, hopefully, you know, I can help people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I think think there's so many like positives there that have come from that, um, and I think really what it is is we've got to look, look at something and think right. This form is it, it is a you know out of every negative, like I always say, there is that massive, massive positive, and I think that's something we've always got to look at regardless of it. Um, so I think that's really what we've got to do there. I'm just gonna. Just there but i think we've covered most of them there up oh, so i think helen's just dropped there if you could just j- jump back on there helen i mean there's obviously connection there it's just literally it's just for the last five minutes there um but like i say we've covered so many different areas that we could possibly fit within um one like obviously podcast um you know really it's a fantastic helen join us tonight um, bit of te- di- uh, technical difficulties there but you know really the conversation itself um you know, it's, it is it is so, so good. And, you know, I appreciate Helen coming on, spending the time on there, uh, obviously discuss everything she's been through. And I know, obviously, like she's saying, you can obviously hear her, like, like I said myself, that one, um, from that one a year ago from Hugh Keir's HL podcast, you can hear Helen uh, describe her, uh, her, obviously, a bit more in depth of what she discussed through there. Um, so there's a lot more, like, obviously, positives from this. Um, hopefully Helen will jump back on um, let's try and get Helen back on there if the connection hasn't dropped uh, which is a bit unfortunate but I suppose that's technology for you but uh, really like obviously uh, really like hoping that we can get back on get Helen back on um, and obviously hope to try to get these done because like I said being mental health awareness week it doesn't stop now of Sunday coming um, I think it's really that's something that's going to be like every single day it's going to be like you know, we've got to work on our mental health as well as our positive health and really try and can be, combine the two together. Um, so I think that's really something there. So I'll just hopefully, like, um, just wait just one moment just to see if Helen can get back on. So I'm just going to just bring up, see if any other questions on there. I think we've covered most of them right. But um, like I said, it's massive thank you to Helen there for joining us tonight. I think we're kind of getting down to the last five minutes. If don't know if Helen's be able to get back on and connect. I'm just going to just see if this will reconnect here. Just see if she'll be able to get back on. It might just be, you know, 
But what I'll do though is, like, like I said, this will go straight onto IGTV, um, and then like basically what will happen is like upload on this. I'm trying to get as much on there as well as Spotify user anchor. So what I try and do is get all the formats um, onto anchor. Um, that goes on to like Spotify and some other various platforms as well. Try and do the YouTube as well as like go on to like um, SoundCloud as well. Um, so really, like, like I said, we'll try and do that. Um, obviously, we'll just end this now, um, and then like, hopefully, got a lot from this. Um, and like I said, they'll go on to IGTV straight afterwards. Um, but like I said, we'll try and get Helen back on. Um, you know, hopefully, try to get a bit more longer chat as well. And so, you know. But thanks very much for like joining us tonight. Um, like I said, we're trying to get Helen back on to obviously finish conversation. Um, we could have obviously chat a long, longer time than this. But appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, and then we'll be back on tomorrow. So we've got Eddie Cohn on tomorrow. Um, so that'll be another like amazing conversation as well. And then we've got um, so we'll try and get as many people on as possible. Okay. But thanks very much for joining us tonight. And we'll be I'll catch you back on here same time tomorrow, half six. Um so we'll get back on. I'll catch you tomorrow, guys. Thanks very much. <laughs>